Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled to have on today none other than Neely Fisher, the flexible chef. She is a author of a best-selling cookbook and a yoga teacher, mom, wife, uh, and presiding over a very active and engaging Instagram account. Uh, In her book, she speaks about how to balance health. We actually, in this conversation, delve into some of the challenges around Jewish lifestyle and health, uh, the role that food should play in our life in a healthy way, and how to get the most out of your eating experience and how we can take that conversation and bring it into the modern day. So there's a lot of very practical things here. Uh, For those of you who have read her book, you're going to love this interview. You get some more insight into Neely Fisher. And with no further ado, I'm thrilled to bring you our guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, Lift Your Legacy is committed to helping you live a more authentic and meaningful life. That being said, if I could ask you to share this podcast with someone that you think would get value from the message, that would be fantastic. In addition, I wanted to make you aware that along with the podcast, I do offer executive coaching. I help people who are successful and highly motivated, who want to see extreme, or not even so extreme, maybe just a small change that in their life. I want to help them get to the next level. What does that mean specifically? Creating more peace in your relationships with yourself, growing your business, clarifying your career. And even if you need a little bit of help losing some weight or getting more healthy, I do that also. I'm not for everyone, but for those people that are invested in making their life better and taking the next step, I highly recommend you consider me as a coach for you. Now, how do you get in touch? Well, you found the podcast. I wanted to tell you also my email, Jacob, my first name, Jacob at liftyourlegacy.live. Feel free, please, to reach out there or on any or all of my social media channels. I'd be thrilled to give you a complimentary half an hour conversation to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And now, with no further ado, I ask you to please sit back and enjoy the show. Neely Fisher, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so thrilled to have you on. You are really elevating the conversation in the Jewish world about food and uh, health and yoga and all exciting things. So thank you so much for being here today with me. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. So Neely, how do you become the mom Instagram health blogger extraordinaire? What's your path to where you are today? Oh, well, I suppose it requires a lot of patience and perseverance very, very strong mission and a commitment to my bigger reason why and a passion to wake up in the morning and do the things I love and to help maybe in my little way make a mark on the world. What is your why? Like practically speaking, like what's your, what's your background? How did you start? Uh, wow. All right. Uh, I started off cooking in my mother's kitchen when I was a little kid and I was inspired by healthifying her traditional uh, challah and, uh, you know, recipes back in the 80s. 
when the, where in the world did that come from? Because like, I don't know if health was uh, not quite on the, uh, it wasn't trendy. No. Thanks. I'd like to think I was a little ahead of my time. I went on my first diet when I was 11, I, as I always talk about. And um, I was like, you know, very, very interested. I wrote like, I don't even remember when it was. It was probably like ninth grade. I did like a paper on like physiology and I was always interested in the body and like mechanisms of movement and alignment and all sorts of things. So it was just always something that I was interested in, really. I never thought it would be a career necessarily, but it was always a passion. Okay. Um, and then I transitioned as I kind of evolved out of my uh, 11-year-old healthifying recipes into teaching fitness classes, and I was a personal trainer for a long time. Um, where did you grow up? Where, where was this? Uh, I kind of grew up between New Jersey and Israel. We went back and forth a bit. Okay. Um, went to high school in Israel. And well, what was that cultural shift like? Because I know in a lot of places, at least in Israel and New Jersey, and now you're in LA, but you know, and I'm from California. So it's, I'm, I'm really interested in the fitness trends and different cultures and how we all, you know, relate to fitness. So what was that like for you? Huh? That's a good question. I mean, I, I always traveled between all these places. So I always kind of picked up on whatever that thing was somewhere else and brought it to where I was and was always kind of like, interested in the thing. So I don't know that, I mean, I remember the did back in the days when like step aerobics was like still a thing in Israel when like they were already on to spin classes in New York city. I so, always see that. A little behind. Did George world just take whatever the rest of the world's doing and just rewind like 15 years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I think Israel, Israel's catching up now. They're not quite there yet. Like you still can't get a good bar class or like a great, you know, soul cycle, but they're catching up and people are, are more interested in, their food choices and their, you know, whatever, their, uh, their active lifestyles. So. Okay. So you go, you're, you go to high school in New Jersey and then, and then what happens? I went to high school in Israel. I was in New Jersey before that. And, uh, then I, yeah, I was, then, we were, then I moved back to New York and, um, I actually went to Stern, um, pre, I went, I went to Barilon for a year and then I went to Stern and then I went to NYU. And when I was at Stern, I was teaching spin classes. That's where I met my husband. He used to, he used to come to my 6am classes after a night of working Asia hours. Wow. And, uh, that was a really fun period. And then, um, and then we moved to Hong Kong. We've been living there for 15 years and I started teaching yoga right when we moved to Hong Kong. What were you with his business? You guys went to Hong Kong? That's amazing. So how does the Asian culture fit into the, the, in terms of like health wise, is there, is there new things there? Is like a different focus? Cause definitely like they look a lot different than the average Jewish person, frankly. Yeah. I mean, Hong Kong specifically is a little bit behind. It's sort of like the rest of the world is just that little bit behind the U S um, you know, 15 years ago, you couldn't even get a fresh salad somewhere. And I mean, obviously between keeping kosher and the fact that there were very few healthy, even vegetarian options, I was basically cooking everything from scratch. Um, and so, you know, fast forward to like, I wrote a cookbook. I mean, I developed all my recipes in Hong Kong because I, I, I kind of needed to do it. Right. I mean, even in Israel now, like if I don't feel like cooking, I can just go buy a rotisserie chicken. Like you couldn't buy a rotisserie chicken, you know? So we were all kind of self-sufficient, but in terms of the Asia culture, you know, fitness, um, I think again, they're also a, a teeny bit behind. They're very into their, they're all these like slimming places everywhere. They like, they're like slimming machines and stuff. They don't love to like work, work, work really, really hard, but it's, again, it's catching up and 
there's, you know, boutique fitness places popping up around the city and lots of runners and lots of Anglo people too. So it's kind of a, it's a bit of an international place with that. Okay. So then after Hong Kong, you develop all the recipes for the cookbook, then what happens? Then I write a best-selling cookbook and sell it. <laughs> okay. And what was that like? Were you surprised that, I mean, going into, as far as I know, a lot of people don't write and expect the book to sell unbelievably well. So in the process of writing your best-selling cookbook, did you know that it was going to, quote, go viral and going to be a bestseller, or were you pleasantly surprised? Um, you know, I, I don't even know how to answer that question, really. I didn't, I think a lot of, I think a lot of us hesitate about doing something big because of the fear of failure. And unless you think really big, you're, you, you, you can only achieve as big as you think you can. So I always, you know, I felt really strongly about my message and I, I wrote a book that I felt like the world needed, not just because I wanted like my ego stroked by having my name on some cover. Like I have, thank God, a wonderful life. Like, I don't need like the fame of it. I, I felt like there was a need. Uh, like, you're like, what? what? But yeah, so. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it because, it, first of all, like, I, I say this so much and I love hearing it from somebody else. Um, but I, I also love this concept that, again, you're thinking like cookbooks, crowded space, you know, the health, crowded space. I mean, again, maybe in the 80s, 90s, but like, really, that was, that was when things were picking up as, as strange as it might be kind of looking back on it. What was the message? What was that niche? What was that hole that you saw and yeah. that you felt that you, you need, that your voice needed to yeah. enter the marketplace? So every time I have like 300 cookbooks on my shelf and every time I would open the cookbook, I'd be like, but what if I don't have that ingredient? Or what if I don't eat pork? How can I, you know, lots of like kosher people will like, say like, well, you know, what are you going to do with that cookbook? Like there's nothing in there for you. And I'd be like, well, all I do is just like substitute beef or remove the this, or what do I do about not being able to find ingredients? And I just felt like every cookbook just gave you the recipe. I mean, obviously that's what a cookbook is. It's a collection of recipes, but I was like, but a cookbook should be more than that. It should teach you how to be a chef and not just a cook that follows the rules. It's not that complicated. How could I, in my book, give people the tools and the freedom to be able to modify and play and make a recipe their own and use it like a blueprint and a guide, almost like a toolbox? And so I wanted to, you know, I, I just wanted to give people that freedom in the kitchen and to inspire them to obviously eat healthier, which is my kind of sub message when uh, you know, I mean, I'm interested in food, but I'm much more interested in you living an awesome, healthy, incredible life. And that's what this, this book sort of does is, is weave in those messages at the same time. Do, do you feel the message is best directed like at the world? I mean, and I'm saying like maybe putting on your, your hat as an entrepreneur, as an author here, as people are trying to, you know, cause again, we hear like, you know, niche your market and figure out who you're talking to and all these kinds of ideas when you were writing your book, did you have like an avatar, so to speak, like that, that, that person that you were trying to speak to directly? I did. And I, it'd be interesting to look at, I don't know, like, could you track demographics of sales or whatever? It'd be interesting to see if this, but I think I wrote it for like kind of a woman like me ish, who's like trying to figure things out and like really has an aspiration to like eat pretty well. Right. Cause if like really all you want to eat is burgers and fries and you're not interested in anything remotely healthy, then like, obviously you're not going to be that interested, but 
Um, although I do have lots of really indulgent things in the book, which was the point. But um, yeah, that woman that was just like trying to figure it out, that's got an interest in, in health and well-being, but is, you know, a little bit frazzled at times, doesn't have a lot of time to make dinner, like really has these aspirations to cook well. But at the end of the day, she ends up, you know, sometimes serving chicken nuggets to her kids because she's running out of time. And kind of like the, the, the like aspirational know-how, but like lacking in a little bit of technical skill. So it's sort of like both for the beginner cook. What I do in the book, I should back up a little bit, because what I do in the book is give two very defining things. Did you guys, did you get a copy? I didn't, but I'm excited. I'm going to get you a copy. Great. (laughs) So every recipe has two defining characteristics. It has something called nail this at the bottom of the recipe. And I basically give you the shortcut for success. Because every time I would open a book, I'd be like, why? Just tell me what the most important thing here so I don't mess it up. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to waste our time for two hours. And then our diners say that that really wasn't that great. So shortcut for success. And then I give you what I call flexible flip. So I have a flip it section. And I show you how to modify and, and you know, in, instead of the pork, well, I don't have pork in my book, but you know, in that recipe book would be like swap beef for pork or what to do with leftovers or how to shortcut your thing or what to do if you don't have ingredients. So it has like a bajillion options. I got sidetracked there with my explanation. So, no, so, so it's interesting. So there's, and it's something else that, I, that I'm hearing, which is, which maybe you could speak to a little bit is that very often, I think in the, in the past, we saw people saw food as I can say like, you know, like I, do, do we see the process of cooking? Is that like for, for ourselves? Is that for our families? How do we, you know, Jew, and Jews look at food as such a central thing. And it's just so interesting because I always feel like, you know, whenever I'm talking to a, a fitness trainer or a dietitian, I'm like, look, you have to understand we have this thing called Shabbat. Yeah, we think these things called Yom Tov, we just stuff our faces for weeks at a time. How do we, how does the discussion around food change or how would you want to see it both as as a mother and a wife, as you know, like a member of a family, and then the individual themselves, and this whole idea that I have to go on a diet, I don't want to, you know, it's like indulgent lifestyle, and my goals. So, like, how should food like fit in a person's life? Um, so, I think I'm going to sort of answer that question by sharing my food philosophy um, and what I call the zigzag theory. Um, by way of sort of personal story, I, I spent my childhood growing up struggling with food. And I grew up in a Jewish home where we stuffed our faces once a week. And on Sunday morning, I woke up feeling disgusting. And I felt really gross about myself. And 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 women who are listening will, I mean, well, maybe men too, but you know, we'll, we'll feel that feeling of like, just like self-loathing when you like stuff yourself. And I mean, that's a big word, but kind of. And true. Yeah. And not, and not really knowing how to, it's almost like at the time I can still remember this. It's almost like you don't even know how to stop. Like, it's just this like, well, it's there and you know, we're offline for two days. So what else are we going to do except for eat? Right. And the whole like Jewish mom thing, like, well, if it's in front of me, I better eat it type of thing and whatever. Um, and I, for me, at least it created a very unhealthy relationship with my body. And of course it's the most unhealthy way to be physically. Um, I got to a place where after years of experimenting with the the opposite extreme, right, of like crazy diets and blah, 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 I got to this place where I understood that we can have this midline, that midline place where we feel grounded, we feel like we're at our ideal weight, we feel energized, we feel confident, we feel our like our best selves, right? And most of us through experimenting will know what that feels like, 
right? When you're just like, oh, I've had a really good week this week, right? I got to the gym. I did a little yoga. I ate pretty well. Like, you know, I had a great week in my, with my family. Like life is, I feel good right now. That feeling, if you could learn how to eat by zig and zagging through that midline, meaning not too much, knowing how much too much is without going completely off center, bouncing right back to your center and maybe a day after Uber indulging, you back off a little bit. Like the next day, you're like, you know, you wake up and you have a green juice for breakfast and not like a, you know, a seven course meal or whatever it is. Figuring out how to find that centered place where you don't go crazy. It goes back to the idea of the why that we started with. If you know that it's really important for you to feel amazing and to, to like rock your awesome life and feeling healthy and fit is a part of that, then that indulging for two days is like irrelevant. So at, you know, now I see a lot of food in front of me or I can go to a big, you know, Pesach buffet and not even be tempted by all that garbage. Cause I know it's just, it's really yummy for one second. And then you wake up the next morning. Like you never regret that extra muffin that you didn't eat right the next day. So, you know, it's a little bit of, anyway, I don't know if that, that, that answers it a little bit. Right, great. You know, and, and something else that I, I would love your your opinion on, your thoughts on, there is this strange convergence, just like with, with all of the different diets, there are all kinds of different opinions and you have all these hardcore people on each and everything. And at the end of the day, like there's a lot of conflicting stuff. And if you're on the whole foods plant-based diet, then you're eating lots of carbs. And if you're on the keto diet, you're eating lots of fat. And if you're on the caveman diet, you know, and, and you know, everyone does it for each one for like two weeks. So by the end, they're just eating a lot of everything. And then they get upset that it doesn't work. I think also on the same, on the same uh, trajectory, I think with social media, and this is hopefully something that we can dive into also, you know, with Instagram, having so many digital platforms where you're able to see, like, actually see, see how people look. And, on, you know, that kind of creates a certain level of anxiety because a lot of times the people that are on Instagram, this is their full-time job. They're getting paid to work out and to rep products. And on the flip side, you have this body positivity movement, which the dark side of that basically says, eat whatever you want and just pretend that you're not fat. Um, so how does a person find their center when it comes to what they want to look like and how to have a healthy relationship with their body? Um, so my answer is going to be very unpopular because it requires a... That's probably like you on the show. <laughs> it probably, it, it requires, um, my favorite quote by one of my meditation teachers is that life is a laboratory and you must conduct your own experiments. And the one diet that works for one person, like my husband runs marathons and he could eat pretzels, like snacking at his computer at midnight and be fine. If I ate pretzels snacking at my computer, I'd be bloated for three days. How do I know that? Because I've snacked on pretzels at my computer and then I'm bloated and then I stop. And unfortunately, you kind of, so there's a bit of experimenting that has to happen on the one hand. On the other hand, yes, there are bajillion conflicting diets and advice, but, but there are the foods that everybody agrees are healthy. So like, let's play a little game. I'm going to say a food and you say healthy or not. Okay. Okay. Broccoli. Healthy. Potato chips. Not healthy. French fries. Not healthy. Lettuce. Healthy. Olive oil. Healthy. Okay. But then there's things like beef. I'm going to say healthy. Well, me too, except some people might say not, and it depends on the source, blah, 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 right? Some people like 
anyway, there are foods like that. I'm a big, I'm a beef person. I didn't eat beef for many years and I craved it one day and had it and I felt great. And then I continued. Like, this is it. wonderful. And then I kept feeling great. And I'm like, oh, I guess I can eat beef. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, but then there's foods like, um, like, you know, rice. If you tell someone in China that they can't eat rice, like I, you know, in Hong Kong, there's like rice at every meal basically. So, um, and, but some people can tolerate rice and some people can't. Some people can't do it because of the sugar and the starch or whatever. Um, anyway, there are foods that are like, is that good or bad for me? High fat stuff, coconut oil. I think that that's like, you know, has been healthy, but now there's the movement saying it's not healthy. There are the things that are questionable that should probably be consumed in moderation anyway. Right. So the ba- we all know, like you ask any dietitian, the base of your diet should be a ridiculous amount of amazing fresh produce. Not so much fruit because it's really high in sugar, lots of veggies, great sources of protein. Try to source it from the, from the best place possible, right? Like I'm not giving you diet advice. I'm just, this is my way of weaving through the noise. Give the right? give advice. Um, you know, healthy fats. Again, some people can't consume a ton of fat. Like if I have too much avocado, I feel kind of like nauseous, right? Dairy. That's another big one, right? Some people are like, you must have dairy. Other people are like, dairy is bad for you. How do you feel on dairy? I mean, most people get bloated after, you know, a big bowl of milk, a big bowl of milk. Who does that? Cereal with milk, but there's the carbs and the dairy combined. But like, if we all dig really deep, we know, come on, you have a meal. You tell me, did that feel like it was serving you or not. Uh, I used to, um, I don't really do this anymore because it's kind of weird, but like I used to say that if I could do a handstand after a meal, I didn't overeat. Mm. Now that's kind of weird because I know you're like all not going to go experiment with that, but like think of like whatever it is, whether it's, can I focus? Because did I eat too much like heavy carbs and I like can't think straight, I have to go take a nap after the meal or can I go for a brisk walk without getting a cramp in my stomach after a big pizza and like uh, whatever else you're eating with that uh, milkshake? I don't know. I'm really feeling how it feels. It's that transition of, 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 of looking at the food as fuel. And, and that's just like something that I, I think a lot about is it's like if I'm exercising and I'm thinking to myself, like I am either worn out or I don't have enough energy, I didn't use the food as fuel. Mm-hmm. And that's in that uncomfortable relationship essentially starts because then if it's not fuel, then what is it? It's comfort. It's, you know, whatever it might be, it's just momentary pleasure. And that's ultimately where the, where the difficulty I I, I think starts. I love how you say that. And I also think it's okay. And this is where like my zigzag theory plays in. It's also okay to use food for pleasure, to Mm -hmm. have like a delicious slice of chocolate cake and all those wonderful things just we need to learn how much of that we can tolerate without feeling gross and unhealthy and without going into like pizza and cake foreverland right which is which is also you know really really interesting and, and phenomenal is and this is something that's so crazy because it's so i think it's so true with so many different things but i i usually have like a three-day window by which i lose all my cravings after i've you know once i'm eating on on healthy for three days i sort of lose my craving and then one bite of of sweet stuff or a couple bites of sweet stuff it totally satiates you know, like Shabbat, like d- dessert, I'm fine. Whereas if I'm not eating healthy that week, I'm going to eat half exactly. of the cake, so to speak. Exactly. I agree. So what role do you think as, as your, your, as your, you know, thank God your platform is growing in a, in a, in a beautiful way. And, and are you, are you finding that your message is resonating more with Jews, with non-Jews, the wide world? How does that, how does that work? So I specifically didn't include the whole kosher thing in 
on my cover in the book at all. My audience is much larger, like not larger, but it's wider than that, I suppose. And um, I've, I've only recently started actually talking to you know, Jewish podcasts, doing Jewish interviews, being in Jewish newspapers, getting my book in some Judaic shops, because I, I kind of recently realized that it's like, it, it is kosher. Like, and I'm a Jewish mom of four and I keep Shabbat and it's like, all, you know, there's so many influences from, you know, my Israel world and the holidays. I've got, you know, a Rosh Hashanah cake that I call, you know, I forget what it's called, something about my New Year's cake, whatever. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that I'm, I'm like learning how to speak to both worlds um, inclusively. What, what brought you, it's an interesting thing because I also play with that a lot in terms of which market you want to, to look at. What brought you from, like, why did you start to focus on the Jewish world? Was it a sense of, like, I should be giving back or this is just sort of like who I am? What, what was that, like, what was that direction? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's who I am. And I think that my, I mean, I, going back to why I wrote the book, I wrote the book because I felt like it was a need that needed to be filled in the cookbook world. And, and even, you know, my blog and my message, I felt like was a need that, I mean, it was a voice that I wanted to share, but it was a need that I felt was, was there. Um, so yeah, I, I just, it feels now it's just the natural thing. To what extent do you think that it's very important that, like the role of the role of yoga? Like I, I think it's I think it's it's outstanding. How 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 important is that for the every person? You know, everyone has like their exercise of choice. But what is it about yoga that speaks to you? And how should a person sort of like what do they what should they what should they look for in their life? And and why should they integrate that practice into what they do? Um, I don't love the should because you know. I was going to say, because we should, no, because we ought to do the thing that, that calls us, not just because we like think we're supposed to do it. Like a lot of people sort of try to do something because they think they're supposed to, like I should run because it'll make me skinny, but I hate running. So, but I do it because it's going to make me skinny. Like, I think that's a bad idea to do something because it's not going to be sustainable. If it's not something that you feel that you can continue. And especially, I mean, there's, there's so many great things out there don't do it if you don't love it. So I know a lot of people that are just like, I don't like yoga. I'm like, then don't do it. Like, it's really, you don't, not everybody has to do anything. Right. So I don't think everybody has to yoga. I do think that yoga has, can you just just say that flat out? Because I feel like that is the biggest point that nobody picks out. (laughs) So many people think going to the gym is awful. And I'm like, dude, there's no one that's successful in fitness that does not love the fitness thing that they're doing. You know, it's not work for you for like when I, I, I like lifting weights and fighting. So that's not work for me. I love doing that, you know? So, yeah. sorry, go ahead. so, so, so why, why yoga? Go ahead. So, so why yoga for me is all I can really say. I mean, okay. I taught for many years. So I, of course I see benefits in my students and um, as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking ahead for the next 20 years of my fitness life. Like I just got interviewed recently and they're like, what's your goal in the next, you know, where do you want to be in 30 years? And you know, I said something like, you know, still be able to do a headstand and change my grandchildren's diapers and still be able to like run them to school or whatever it is. I want to have that energy. And so like, I just started running when I turned 40 wow. and I, um, I have like a very love hate relationship with running. It like makes me feel amazing, but I know 
well, I don't know, but I don't think I really want to be running when I'm 75. Like I, but I, I don't know why I don't really love it right now. I, I sort of like, it's a part of my world and I do it and it's challenging. I don't know that I'm going to be running forever, but a, a solid yoga practice that you could sort of fall back on do anywhere with no equipment, with no money, um, is just this like very well flexible, uh, kind of you know, way of moving your body. That's sort of my superficial answer. The deeper answer is that um, having a regular practice in a world that's moving so quickly around us. I mean, even like, you know, if you're at the gym, you're probably checking your phone in between and switching up the Spotify or whatever. Like there's this noise in your head when you're doing other forms of exercise. And when you can shut off that external stuff and really connect to your body and move it intuitively, I think this is also where... I mean, personally, where my intuitive eating came, because when you, when you have such an intimate practice with your body and there's so much, there's like the biomechanics and there's the breath and there's the combination of the flexibility, how much is too much? And am I stretching too hard? Am I working my muscles too much? Like there's so much going on. You really get to know yourself in a way that's super deep. Um, and you get like long, lean, nice muscles too. It's like a nice little benefit. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, What's Neely? What's what's next for the flexible chef? You don't have to give us the uh, the ten year plan or the thirty year plan, but but what are the now that you've written the the best selling cookbook and you're getting out there and put, promoting your message of health and wellness? Where do you see this going? Oh, it's the question of the hour. I'm I'm working very um, it, with I'm like reignited to take things to the next level right now it's writing a book is kind of like childbirth. You kind of like you say like never again. And you just like need a couple months of postpartum. I've been in a little bit of a, like I was like in a funk for a couple months after the book. Really? Like, I don't know. yeah, like, cause it's, this is huge. I mean, I worked on it for like three years and did these like crazy TV appearances. I mean, I'm still doing a lot of that, but like, it's this like real, it's this moment. I've talked to other authors. It's like this moment of like, Oh my God, like what now? Like, And anyways, I had a little bit of a like lull and I'm like totally refired up for the next phase. And I'm working on lots of really interesting projects. My platform's going to have a lot more offerings. We're working on a bunch of in-person stuff. I don't even want to tell you, um, some, some educational things, some other things. I'm just, I'm in like a very creative space right now, continuing to put out stuff on the blog, but working on some really big things. So stay tuned. That's such a that's such a beautiful thing. It, it's kind of a last question, but it can open up a whole new bag of worms. Um, how 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 would you advise? I mean, because that's something that I see a lot with with clients of mine and and people in general is that you you put your heart and soul into something for a long time, and then that either you know you want to hang on to it, you don't want to release it into the world, or once you released it into the world, like you said, there's this like create like crazy vacuum where you were this project for such a long time. What are some practical things that you would recommend? I'm assi- I'm assuming besides eating healthy and doing yoga, that helps a person sort of get re on track and get like get get back to where you are now, which is I did this thing, it went well, and now I'm ready to keep doing more. So for me, it required a, a, just a pause for a moment, not like jumping. And also like, you can't really jump when you're exhausted. Like there was this exhaust. It's not just depletion. It's the exhaustion. You can't jump full force into a project when you're exhausted. So I got, I stayed exhausted for a little while, but then 
and this goes back to what we started talking about. It's this, is this mission in life. And if you could have some quiet time, however that is for you, whether it's, you know, saying I got to go on a walk or I need to go away by myself for a week, if that's possible, I, I love you, know, whatever, but it, okay. An hour, whatever it is, find a quiet space, close your eyes, like put on a meditation app or whatever, it, whatever you do to, to get back in touch and really just remember like what's what what gets you out of bed in the morning what do you want to do with your life like what's your i think it's a real inner reflection what is it that i want and then just like finding the the like energy inside to find a way forward i love it all right great neely tell us how we can find more of what you do find the book touch with you what's what's what what's what's next you can visit my website at theflexiblechef.com i'm on instagram at the flexible chef and you can link to all my social channels through there amazing neely fisher thank you so much for the time thank you there you have it folks another inspiring episode if you enjoyed this i ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on rabbi rup through facebook or on youtube And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up. And also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.